Welcome to the Scottish Plans Podcast. I'm Clint Edwards, and I'm glad you're here with me today. I'm recording this podcast from a little bit different environment than I have done previous episodes. I am at my in-laws' house in a beautiful canyon in the Wasatch Mountains in Utah. Um, It's the 4th of July today, and I know it won't be when you listen to this, but happy Independence Day anyway. And if you're not American, then whatever... Whatever kind of independent celebration you have in your country, I hope you I hope you have a great one of those too. Whenever that happens, anyway, I'm uh, I'm excited to talk about some of the things I have here today. Now you got to be patient with me today with the sound quality because I am not in as controlled an environment as I usually pick for this. I'm outside, which is inspiring. Like I said, this I have tall peaks, tall mountain peaks around me. It's beautiful mountain, Rocky Mountain scenery. But the, uh, there's a lot of other sounds going on out there. There's a sprinkler off in the distance. There's a, the highway that runs through this particular canyon is not too far away. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it or not. There's some kids playing around, my, my kids and their cousins. Yeah, we've got some, my wife's families together and kids are playing together. And uh, my, my Belgian Malinois or my Border Collie might run along up here and pay me a visit here soon. I don't know how that's all going to work out, but... But I am excited to do this. I just wanted to, I just wanted to get this episode recorded because I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, please also pardon my voice. I came down with something a few days ago. I had the fever and I was, I was uh, hacking up junk in my chest and it was just an awful experience. But I'm recovering, but my voice has paid a price. So please excuse the scratchy voice. Now, <clears throat> the last episode we spent discussing the kingdom of Dal Riata. And that was our that was our our Gaelic speaking kingdom that gave birth to several different current Scottish clans. There weren't weren't a lot of them that we could tie in directly with definitive solid proof into the kindreds of Dal Riata, but we did mention a few like those that come out of the Macduff clan who were the early earls of Fife. Those examples of those would be the the Macintoshes, the and and all the ones that are associated with the Macintoshes in in the Clan Hatton, like like the Shaws, like the Farkersons, like the McThomases, they're all they're all connected. And I, I'm I'm not going to go into detail about how they're connected, but they're all come out of the Macduffs, the early Earls of Fife's Fife, who claim descent from the Canal Navrine. There were some also the up in the north the Canal Lorn were the Dalriata kindred that the the later earls or earls or more mayors of Murray would claim descent from, and that that might include such clans as the Macintoshes, the Monroes, the Rosses. Um, it's it's uh, there's several different or maybe even the Forbes. Now the Forbes are going to come up in a in a possibly um, alternative origin. In our conversation today, that was just a little review on what we talked about last time with Dalriata. Today, we want to get into the other principal kindreds of what later becomes Scotland, or the the different ethnic groups that the different clans of Scotland could could be arising out of. Now, there was three, maybe four, that we could consider native. The a lot of people wouldn't consider the Angles of Northumbria native as they were not indigenous necessarily, but they were there 
they were there in some pr- pretty pretty early on. Not, I mean, some people make the case that the Angles and the Saxons were in Britain during the Roman era. They're already settled there. Other people accept later narratives that they were invited invited in in the chaos that ensued after the Romans left Britain, and they were invited in as mercenaries to help one faction or another. Whatever, whatever, whichever one of those is true, they were the Angles were there pretty early. So, so as the four kind of basic ethnic groups of Scotland, you have the, the Gales of Dalriada, the Picts, the Angles of Northumbria, and the Britons of Strathclyde. Earlier, usually referred to as the Britons of Clyde Rock. Later, we have two major groups that give us some pretty prominent clans within Scotland, and that would be the Vikings and the Normans. Now, the, the Normans were basically Vikings who had just settled in northern France. A few generations later, they've adopted the French language and customs, married some native, some local French girls, and now they're going in to Britain from just a, a different angle. A, a, yeah, that's basically what it was, is a different angle. Not just from the south instead of from the east or northeast, but a different angle culturally. So those are our basic groups. Now, we spent the whole last episode discussing Dalriada. We're going to try to take care of all of the rest of the basic ones, meaning the Picts, the Angles, the Britons of Strathclyde, in this one episode. And I'm going to try to keep it to under 30 minutes. So this is going to be pretty basics. Now, if you ever want to hear this episode or a, sorry, a few further episode discuss more detail on these things, please go to the Facebook page that we've got, the Scottish Clans Facebook page. Let, let me know on some of the things that you want to hear about. We want to push into more detail on those and we can create future episodes based on those requests. Now, let's, let's start discussing some of these things. I don't know if we're going to have time today to get into Vikings and Normans that might be enough to make a future short episode. Let's start off with the Picts, okay? The Picts. One thing with the Gales of Dalriada, we know that the, the Highland clans who are descended from those, the, those kindreds that come from Dalriada, they inherited a kindred-based society. So in that sense, the clans are a very ancient concept within Scotland. We don't know exactly when that start. They may have started, they may have always been based like that, as opposed to the later, the later kingdoms of, of for instance, Wales, or, or you know, the, the kingdoms within Wales, the the different kingdoms that would become England. What did the Picts look more like? Were they a clan-based society like the like Dalriada was? We we discussed the specific kindreds that we know about from historical sources that made up the, at least the ruling, the, the major families of Dalriada. We are just going on the assumption based on the, some of the other things that I've read that, that the kin-based society went further down than, than just the ruling class. Because, I mean, if you're only talking about the ruling elites, I mean, then usually it is a kin-based affair. Usually people are seeking some kind of actual, real or perceived blood tide. The ruling family, I mean, that was the case in William the Conqueror overtaking England. 
or or William the Bastard, however, what, you know, some people from different angles prefer different terms, but that that was a kin-based claim. So I guess that that'd be true of all the different kingdoms, but we just don't hear about when we study English history, the clans of England. That's that's not a topic. So at least in the case of the clans that are descended from those those kindreds of Dalria, the, the the case of a kin or the notion of a kin-based society goes back pretty far. So my question is, what were the what did the Picts look more like? Did they look more like England, or did they look more like Dalriada? I don't know the answer to that. But there were, it is the is the Gallic culture of Dalriada that became dominant within Scotland, upon uh, as those two royal houses merged between the Picts and the Gaels, and and the Gallic culture becomes dominant. I don't know. Is that why the clans of Scotland emerge all over Scotland because of that, that Gallic heritage, or? were the other groups already kin-based down to their lower levels. So were the Picts, yeah, they had a royal family, but underneath that in the different levels of society, were they also kin-based as they would later become? Or was that a Gallic inheritance? I don't know. But that's, that's kind of the big question I want to be asking. Now, the... Uh, the there's... In the territory that the Picts occupied, so everything north of the Firth of Forth and not included in Dalriada. Now, once again, probably is super helpful to look at a map while you're listening to this episode, unless you're driving or doing something else that requires full attention. But if you have the opportunity, it would be very helpful to, to be able to see these places. If you could just Google kingdom of Dalriada and do an image search, you, you would see that. Everything north of the 4th, and, and maybe if you go back far, than, far enough, there would be things south of the 4th too, but our common understanding of Pictish territory would be north of the 4th and not Dalriada. So Dramalban to the east, uh, places to the north of, of Dalriada, that's what we're talking about. There are clans that as we look back at the, you know, our common sources for clan histories, like the Scottish Clan and Family Encyclopedia, we're looking back at, at trying to find the earliest member of the clan, or where did the clan come from? Where did they come out of? In some cases, they clearly came from a Norman settler. So we understand that they were not, that patriarchal line did not develop in place. But in others, we can't trace it back that far. They just appear. You just someday see a record of a guy with this name, and I, I guess our default setting is they come from a local family, probably a local aristocratic family of some sort, or, or not, but local anyway. So what, what clans that we would recognize today developed in place in Pictish territory, thus leading to be able to lean towards the possibility that these clans are Pictish in origin, at least through that, that patriarchal line. The Forbes are the first one I have on my list. The, the Forbes, even in some clan histories with, within this, this clan society, they, they even claim that they're descended from Pictish lines. Another group that comes from, you know, we can't find out where they originated, they just appear within Pictish territory is the Sempils. 
And I don't know personally a lot about that clan, to be honest with you. Um, I was just trying to find as many classes, uh, clans that emerge in place. I've actually made myself a Google map that has an outline, at least a pin dropped, where that clan is headquartered out of, and the, the pins are color-coded according to where we think that may come from. I tried to do that with as many clans as I could, and simple, sem the clan sample was on my list. All right, we have the McDuffs. We've already talked about them. Yes, we tied them into the Canal Navrine of the Dalriada kindred, but we also understand that they would have come out, uh, they would have been descended from a merger of the Canal Navrine royal family with the Pictish royal family. So the McDuffs and those clans that come out of them that I mentioned earlier are at least as Pictish in their bloodline as they are Gaelic or Gaelic. Sorry, I'll go back and forth between those two, and I know it's Gaelic in Scotland. And Anyway, I'm going to try to do this right. Um, once again, just want to review those, those clans. You've got the Macintoshes, the Shahs of Rathi Mercus, the Farkersons, and the McThomases. Uh, other clans that are not associated with that particular group, but nevertheless claim descent from the Macduff Earls of Fife, and therefore Pictish blood, are the Weems. Now, the Earls of Weems claim to be the male line representatives of the McDuffs, just so you know that. Also, the Scrimgours uh, would fit into this category. Now, let me go on to a, another family. I've mentioned them before, I believe, in a previous episode. And these, this clan does not come from what we understand is Pictish territory. They come from what would have been Dalriada territory. Why do we think they might have been a Pictish descended clan? Well, because the name of the clan is McNaughton, son of what was originally Nechten. And I have only seen the name Nechten belonging to Pitts. And so I know the, the geography is a little off, and so there's probably some kind of cool mystery to solve in the history of the McNaughtons. Why do we have a clan with a clear Pictish name, but they, they come about in Argyle in what would have been Dalriada? That would be something to pursue. And if you are descended from the McNaughtons, then perhaps that would be something you could, you could dive into and get back to us and, and let us know on the Facebook page maybe about if you found an answer to that. I'd be fascinated to know that. Now, another, another clan, and oh, by the way, this is not going to be a, an exhaustive list of clans that, or, or kindreds or families that emerged within Pictish territory with no other explanation for their ethnic origin than the fact that they are, just have always been there. This won't be exhaustive. I've, I've got a few more clans, and then we're going to move on to another, another, um, another ethnic group that gave birth to several different clans. But if we didn't cover yours, please get on the Facebook page and share that with us. Hey, you skipped mine. We're the so-and-sos, and, and we were, have always been in Aberdeenshire, and we've never had any connections with anything outside of that. So I believe we're picks. That would be cool to hear about that. The next kindred that I want to talk about are the Brodies. Now, the Brodies, every history that I've ever read on the Brodies say that they've always been there. They're from the north coast of Scotland, not 
the very north coast of Scotland, but on the Murray Firth there in the vicinity of, of Elgin or Elgin. I'm not really sure if that G is hard or soft. In forests and, and that area there, they, they, they've always been there and nobody knows any different. And so that would, that would lead them to uh, have a Pictish descent. And we probably have more information on the Brody origin had not the Gordons burned down their castle and all of their records with it. Good one, Gordons. All right, the next group is an interesting group. It's the Elliots. Now the Elliots are always associated with the border region of Scotland. In fact, they became very notable border reavers. However, the, uh, the Elliots claim their descent from the vicinity of Glenshee in Angus. So that's, that's interesting, which would have been Pictish territory and the border is, is not, but that's where they claim that they're, they originated and, and I guess they eventually migrated south to the border country, which it's interesting, I mentioned the Gordons earlier, the Gordons are originally a border clan and they migrate north as did the Frasers. All right, and the last class I wanna mention that spring up as indigenous within an, uh, uh, within Pictish territory are the Ogilvies. In fact, one of the explanations that I've seen for the, where the name Ogilvy comes from, it gives it a pre-Celtic origin, which we understand that the Pictish, the Picts spoke a, some version of a pre-Celtic language, according to our best knowledge. And so that would be consistent with an origin in that territory for the Ogilvies. So there, there's a, there's a handful of examples of, of clans that would have sprung out of Pictish territory indigenous they originated there and the first person of that clan that's mentioned by that name comes from Pictish territory and that's our best guess is that they descend from Picts. All right moving on we have the Angles of the southeast of the, what that big chunk of southeast Scotland used to be part of the kingdom of Northumbria. Now so let's talk about some clans that may have a, an Anglo-Saxon, I'd, I'd say not even Anglo-Saxon, Saxons are much farther south. The Angles of Northumbria would be the lead candidates as the, the ethnic context for the origin of these clans. And, and I don't have very many of these, but I'm going to give you what I got. Lockhart's, I looked on clan-lockhart.org and they actually had some contradictory information on there. They they on, in one sentence it says that they're probably Flemish or Norman in origin, yet the next paragraph they say that the Lockhart, the, or, the original Lockhart family fled England when William the Conqueror, a Norman, invaded. So why would that be? Because they are Angles, I'm guessing. They're not necessarily from the part of Scotland. They're from farther west in Scotland that would, then would have been considered Northumbria territory. However, they, uh, they subscribe to an Anglo-Saxon origin myth of some sort. Also, as far as I can tell, the Gordons originated in place in what would have been Northumbria, that part of Scotland in the southeast. Now, I do want to make just a slight, I don't know, parenthetical comment here. The 
like I, like I said, the, the Angles are not indigenous to the British Isles. They came later. However, first of all, and this is from everything I've read, scholars are pretty on the same page that the ruling class of Northumbria would have been Angles, but the common stock of the people did not, that population didn't change. You have a, a ruling aristocracy of Angles over a population that was already there and existed there. Now, why did the language change? Well, if everybody who's anybody is speaking this new language, and in order to get anywhere in society, you've got to learn that language. Well, I mean, just look at what all these immigrants, immigrant families have done in coming to America. My own ancestors would be considered in this. The Edwardses came from Wales. And I can tell you with, I mean, the exact location in Wales it came from. And they were Welsh speaking. I read an account in the early history of Willard, Utah, where the Edwardses first landed, that a man wanted to go, uh, he, he was a prominent local citizen, and he, want, he wanted to go date my ancestor's half-sister. And she was, my, this ancestor of mine, he was, he was born in, in America, but his sister had come over as a young woman from Wales. And this man wanted to go take her out on a date and begin courting her. He had to take an interpreter along with him. So my ancestors, I know that they came over to the U.S., at least the Edwards line, came over to the U.S. speaking Welsh. Why did they learn English? Well, it's kind of language of society. In order to, your bosses are going to be speaking Welsh. The, your potential bosses that you want to hire you are going to be speaking Welsh. People who you want to get some sort of opportunity through, and so are not. Sorry, I'm not not Welsh English. And so you've got to switch languages. And so the Edwardses don't speak Welsh anymore. We speak English, and I imagine that was kind of a similar dynamic when you're ruling crust of society in Northumbria. Is speaking English and you're a local Briton you've got to change languages so when I say to the Gordons bring this full circle back around may have been Angles in their origin I don't know if they were actual Angles from that from the ruling society or if they are descended from the local Britons who learned to speak Angolish or English but uh, their origin comes from that part of Scotland also in place we have developing in that area we have the Rutherfords the Nesbits and the Turnbulls. The Hooms and the Dunbars are an interesting conversation here. We could have included them in the, the Gaelic Dalriada lineages because they claim descent from Crinan of Dunkeld. Interesting note on Dunkeld. The origin of that word is Fort of the Caledonians, who were later called Picts. Anyway, Crinan of Dunkeld was an, was an ab, a very powerful man in, and a descend, descendant of the, the ruling upper crust of Dalriada. But they also claimed descent from the earls of Northumbria. When the, it stopped being a full-blown kingdom and became an earldom, that's the, the, the Hooms and the Dunbars both claimed descent from that ruling angle, those ruling angle families there. So they, they've got some part of them is, is Gallic, but they've also got this element of them that is Angles. And, but then they've also, they, they, they both, they, both these clans claim a person in their descent whose name is Ghost Patrick. And that is a pre-Celtic 
word in origin, and that's kind of an interesting name to have when if you weren't anyway. So there's that's an interesting gene pool, ethnically or culturally speaking. So you get, there you have the Humes and the Dunbars. All right, so that's all I have for the angles of Northumbria. Let's move to the Britons of Strathclyde. The Britons of Strathclyde, originally known as the Britons of Clyde Rock, up until Emar, the Viking, or Ivar, brought a whole bunch of dudes over there from Dublin and just laid Scanyon on everybody that he could find in that vicinity, to include this capital of the Britons at Clyde Rock. All right, thereafter, in, in history, you don't see the Britons of Clyde Rock. You see the Britons of Strathclyde up here. All right. Now, we could take the same approach as we took with the Picts and the Angles. Every clan that comes from what used to be Strathclyde territory is descended from native British stock. There are problems with that approach. I understand. Um, but... Here are, some, here are the names of some clans that don't have definitive origins outside of that gene pool. We have the Wallaces. The Wallace, the very name Wallace is, is an exonym, meaning it was given to them from people outside of their own people. That's the English, goes back to the Old English word for a foreigner. And in this context, it would be a Welshman, a Briton. So they were either from Wales the Wallace ancestors, or they are native Strathclyde Britons. Now compare this name to Galbraith, the ancestor of the, Gal the Galbraith clan. Well, the word Galbraith means foreigner or foreign Britain. And the, the first person that I could find that the Galbraiths claimed descent from, it is a man who's, who had a, a descriptive last name called Bretnik, and that is the Gallic word for a Briton or a Welshman. So you have the Galbraiths and the Wallace, the Wallace clans or families who their very name says that they're Britons, native. So, so we, we're pretty safe with that conclusion for their, or their, their cultural origin. Um, other people who, are, who originate within the territory of the Britons of Strathclyde are the Muirs, the Cathcarts, the Cunninghams, the Douglases. Now, just pause on the Douglases. Some claim descent for the Douglases from Freskin de Moravia, or of Murray, who was, uh, who was Flemish in origin. So, otherwise, if, if that's not true, then they developed in place it, it, within this, this territory. We also have the Carmichael, Clan, the Carruthers, the Scots, the Johnstons, and the Armstrongs, the Scots, Johnstons, and Armstrongs of border fame. Um, that and borders might, I, I don't know the Carruthers, their history within the borders, but I do know that the Scots, the Johnstons, and the Armstrongs have a very colorful history within the border reaver, uh, I don't know what, milieu. That's a French word, and I, I hope I'm using it correctly. Anyway, we'll get to the, the border reavers in a second. I've got to move on to the Galwegians, the, the, those who are descended from the Gal, the Gal Gales, the foreign Gaelic-speaking people. These would be Scandinavians or probably mixed Gales and Scandinavians who spoke Gaelic. Now, 
perhaps there was something about them that was a tip-off that they were had some kind of strong Scandinavian element to this group, but they spoke Gaelic. So, so they're called Galgales or, or Galoile and something approaching that. Once again, you fluent Gaelic speakers, hook me up, hook me up, show me how to actually say that word. Put a, put a little video yourself on our Facebook page pronouncing some of these names, places, and terms that I have just slaughtered that are Gallic. I'd be happy for the correction. All right. Now, so we're going to look at those clans from the southwest of Scotland. So the southwest of, the very southwest of Scotland and the, this place that we call Galloway existed... So there, it's an interesting, I had, to, I had to dig in a little bit, the relationship between this group of people and the kingdom of Strathclyde. So it seems like this group of people operated at the same time. And I always thought that this part of Scotland would have been part of the Britons of Strathclyde. I, I'm coming to the conclusion that it did not. It was not included in the kingdom of the Britons of Strathclyde. This is, this is a different group. They were Gaelic speaking, but they have completely different origins than Dalriada. Like I said, they are, have a strong... Scandinavian element to this group, but Gaelic was the language. So what clans from Southwest Scotland come out of this Gaelic speaking culture that the Galgiles established in this, in this part of Scotland? So we have the McDowells, the Fergusons, the McCullochs, who are descended actually from an Irish Gale, the Hannays, the Kennedys, and the Agnews. Now, once again, I don't know if these clans were actually descended from the Galgales or they just have Gallic last names because they, these Galgales established Gallic as the language of Galloway and they come out of that cultural context in much the same way that we've explained in other spots. Now, let me talk about the borders. You know, I, I said that the, the clans of the Highlands, especially those descended from Dalriada, inherited their kin-based society from the Dalriada cultural heritage. I don't, once again, I don't know what the Picts or the Angles, or for that matter, the, the Britons of Strathclyde, I don't know if theirs was a society based around kinship in the same way that the, the people of Dalriada had. However, my understanding is along the border of what became the border between Scotland and England, so we're moving on in time period. Now we're, we're pushing into post-Wars of Independence, the Bruces and all that stuff. So we're in the late 1200s, getting into the 1300s now. You had the situation on the border of England and Scotland that becomes neither throne, the English nor the Scottish, really want to spend a lot of time making life great for their subjects there. So, if you live on either side of that border and let's say you're Scottish and the English people come and raid you or your neighbors, your Scottish neighbors, came and stole all your cattle, a system later have developed to handle this stuff. And it was the, the, march, the, the march wardens that each side would appoint, but you know, in the early days, you you got to kind of do for yourself and what, what this, and, and also every, with the Scottish army wants to invade England, they got to go right through your stuff. 
if the English wants to invade Scotland, guess what? They're going to go right through your place. So it became unprofitable for these people to plant crops because they didn't know if they'd ever get to harvest them. So cattle, this becomes more of a cattle-based society. And who are you going to turn to when your cows get stolen? Your kindred. And so you have a, a very kin-based society develop in this region more out of necessity than cultural heritage. However, it starts looking similar to what was going on up in the highlands socially. So, um, where, where do you take that culturally? You know, this, this part of Scotland is we're covered by, uh, really you could throw the three, three of these cultural groups that we've talked about into this mix. You have, you could throw the Galgiles in the very, very western portion of this into this. You could, but more substantially, you have the Britons of Strathclyde, but and then farther, as you move farther east, you have the Angles of Northumbria. Those would be the, the groups that these clans would, would merge out of. Now, what's interesting is what DNA studies are bringing to this topic. I have not, a lot of the, lot of the different clans have actually done DNA pro projects, and I've only looked into a couple of those. And so I'm not prepared to dive into detail on that, which is probably just as well because I'm already past a half hour, but just barely. So, um, we might have a future episode regarding DNA and how it relates to where these different clans come out of. Let me give you one example of the difference that is made for one clan. Um, in the Highlands, actually out in the Isles, you have the Macaulays. Not the Macaulays of Arden Capel, the Macaulays from the Isle of Lewis. Now, Ollie is a Gallic word of saying Olaf. And so Macaulay is really a Gallic version, son of Olaf. So I'm, you're saying I'm the son of a guy named Olaf who we would automatically assume would be a Scandinavian. Now, just keep in mind, there's a lot of reasons why one group would name their kid, their newborn baby, a certain name and that's different from their own culture. And I don't know why this group ended up with the name Macaulay because their DNA suggests that this group comes from southwest Ireland, not Donegal, not Antrim, who had uh, centuries of interaction with Scotland. Southwest Ireland. Um, that's where the DNA says that this Macaulay's, the Macaulay's of Lewis come from. So that's interesting. And that, that is a good example of what DNA could contribute to this conversation. Now, at the end of the day, does it matter, really, whether your clan is Gallic and, or, or Pictish? or Angle, or British, or Viking, or Norman. <coughs> I don't really think it does. I mean, yeah, it does. It does. It, ma it matters to a lot of people, and it matters a ton. But there is such a mixing of people. I mean, these Gales, a lot of the, the Highland clans, they, they take a lowland, like they marry a, a, a Douglas woman. Okay, well... So now the future of this clan now has, you know, that, that, that child is only half Gale bloodline, assuming that it was 100% before that, which is a pretty big assumption. And now they're only half. And now if the kid from that union, while still bearing this Gallic surname, marries, let's say, 
somebody from the eastern Akith. I don't know if the, the I don't done enough research. They might be Gales. Let's uh, what's well, like we just said, the Ogilvies are probably descended from Picts. Okay, so the Ogilvies. Now you're only a quarter. You're, you're one quarter, whatever the Douglases were, Flemish or. You see how this gets diluted really quick. I don't want to bog down with this conversation, but it gets diluted real quick. And I just want to just, I bring that up to say, don't get wrapped around the axle about, oh, we're Picts or we're Gales or, and you always have these huge, strong feelings about it. I mean, at the end of the day, these people started to identify themselves like if you were if you were a, a Macintosh, you identified as a Macintosh probably more strongly than you did as a Scot, or as a Gale, or anything else. You were a Macintosh, and anyway, you get the idea. Don't wanna don't wanna get too bogged down here. So, I hope you've enjoyed this this conversation on the on the the ethnic origins of the different clans that we find within Scotland. And, and now I want to start moving into talking about specific clans. I just wanted to lay some groundwork with these past episodes. And I hope you will turn this into a, a conversation by responding to these, to these uh, episodes on the Facebook page. And I'm, I'm in the process of getting an actual web page up and running, and we'll probably have a forum on there for discussion too. But Facebook is so easy to have conversations with on. So Scottish Clans Facebook page, go on there. I'll try to have some sources that you can look into. Anyway, I hope you have a great day. I hope you've enjoyed this, and I'll, uh, I'll be signing out for now. Thank you very much for joining me, and goodbye. <laughs>